1 John chapter 5, would you stand with me while we read the King James Bible together? It's good to know that there was a day when Jesus passed by and you trusted him as your Lord and Savior. If you don't have such a day, we pray that the day will be that day in your heart and life. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 9. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. You may be seated. Now I want you to look down at your Bible at the passage we just read just a moment ago, and I'll try to pace myself as much as I am able this morning. I believe that the subject matter I have to preach about today is probably one, if not the most important messages I've preached in a long time. First John chapter 5 and verse 13. These things have I written. What have you written, John? Well, the previous chapters, the previous verses have for their purpose that you might understand what it is to know that you know the Lord Jesus Christ and that you have eternal life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now I want to preach on saved and sure. I believe that the Bible teaches on the authority of verse number 13 that every person that believes on Christ can have absolute assurance that they're going to heaven. In fact, I believe that you can know before you die that you are going to heaven on the authority of what the Bible has just testified to us. So I'm preaching this morning on that 100% assurance of knowing that you know the Lord Jesus Christ and knowing that you're going to heaven when you leave this world. Let's pray together. Father, I pray you'd take us now as an instrument in your hand. Now I know, Lord, that you know exactly who's here today. You knew what I'd be preaching about before they ever arrived. Lord, I pray for those that may be here that have never had a clear presentation of the gospel. Some may have never understood what it means to be a Christian. Lord, I pray that you'll take the Bible and the clarity and the simplicity of it and use it, God, to speak to hearts. I pray that the truth will be clear and that it will be plain and simple and understandable, so much so that even a little child can understand how to take Jesus and to trust him and to know for certain that they are born of God. I ask you, God, to take the scriptures in power and use it to that heart that needs it most here today. Speak to every heart and help us to be faithful to the truth. That Lord, use it for that one who may not know Christ as Savior and Lord, not have that blessed assurance and take Jesus as their Savior today so they'll know that they're going 
going to heaven. And Father, we'll thank you for what you do, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I'm thinking about a preacher I heard recently preaching along these same lines, and he said that his church family and some of the young people of their church had ventured out to see this historic church, and they had been on a field trip of sorts that day, and this lady was their tour guide, and they had a group of young people and some adults with them as well, and and uh, as the lady was pointing out different facets about the church building and things of historic value, finally the lady said, is there anyone here that has a question? And he said, the Lord just seemed to deal with my heart immediately to ask that lady at this moment. He said, ma'am, he said, if I was to die in the next 30 minutes, could you tell me how I could go to heaven? She paused and as if she was a little bit stumped or dumbfounded. And she said, well, she said, our church has many ministries. She said, over here in this building adjacent to this, she said, we have a clothing closet and we have a food bank or a food pantry. And she said, the people of our church are involved in clothing people that need clothes and feeding people that in the circumstances of their life and need some groceries. And we have these ministries and these other ministries. And he said, so, so you're telling me that if I'm going to die in the next 30 minutes that I'm going to have to go over and I'm going to have to work in the clothes closet or I'm going to have to work in the food bank. And she said, well, uh, uh, I'm not really certain that that's the answer or something to that effect. And he said, ma'am, if I can, can I give you the answer? And in a few minutes, he shared the gospel with this whole group that was touring this facility. And he told how Christ came and died on the cross for our sins and how that through the death of Christ at Calvary that his blood was shed and that Christ died in our place and how he died for our sins and how he purchased what the Bible calls the gift of God. He shared the gospel about how that a person has to turn from their sins and they have to ask Christ to be their savior and take Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. And the lady with a very puzzled look, she said, now I know what I'll say the next time I receive that question. Now I want to say that if you're here this morning on the authority of the Bible, that God has paid the way so you can take Christ as the free gift of God and you can know that you are saved and that you're going to heaven before you die. In fact, I really believe that the greatest thing anyone can know and the greatest step anyone can take is that step from sin to the Savior and that step from indecision to decision to take Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And even beyond that point of taking Christ as yours and being able to say you know that your sins are forgiven and that heaven is your home is knowing in your heart for certain. I mean, you know it as well as you know what your name is, your date of birth, your license number. You know it as well as you know any other fact in this world that you have absolute assurance of knowing that you are a Christian and that you are saved. And yet I want to say that sadly, even all across the Bible Belt, 
here in North Carolina and South Carolina and all along the East Coast, there are many people that do not have that absolute assurance of knowing that they are a Christian. And some have confused the gospel with human works or good deeds, not that there's anything wrong with providing someone with a suit of clothes or a bag of groceries. But I want to say if you and I could get there to heaven by a suit of clothes or a bag of groceries, then there would be no reason for Christ to die on the cross of Calvary. And I believe that there's too many people in our world where there's churches on every corner in Kannapolis that have never heard the saving gospel of Jesus Christ and they do not know that they are born of God. The Bible said in chapter 5 here in verse 1, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. And so many people are confused. They're, they're so many messages floating around and in this hour there are more ways for them to propagate them than there ever have been before and so some do not realize that salvation is a free gift and that you can go to heaven through Christ and that only by Christ men are able to go to heaven and some are constantly doubting and wondering whether or not they are going to heaven I want to say that there is no reason before God with an open Bible and an open heart in this audience today for anyone to say, Preacher, I do not know that if I died today that I would go to heaven. Now, I want to say Jesus Christ died on the cross for every man, every woman, every boy and every girl. It makes no difference what your background, what your race is, what culture you came from. I'm thankful that Christ died for all men and that he died for all sin. And gratefully this morning, I'm glad to be able to preach a gospel that provides absolute assurance of salvation. I'm not hoping that I'm going to heaven. I'm not crossing my fingers thinking that, well, maybe everything will come out all right and I'll be able to go to heaven when I die. I'm thankful that on the authority of the Bible that you and I can know on the authority of 1 John chapter 5, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So I'd ask a few questions and try to answer them this morning. I would say that is it possible for a person who is truly saved to doubt their salvation? Well, I think that every one of us could doubt if you're truly saved. It's in fact, many believers struggle to gain assurance in the early days of their walk with Christ. Your pastor in the early days when I first was saved, I knew very little about the Bible. I, I didn't own a Bible. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know how to find my way through the Bible. And then I got saved. Thank God I asked Jesus to save me and forgive me. And I, I didn't understand how assurance came. I didn't understand what the Bible said about assurance. And thankfully, God, through his word, guided me so that I could understand that I could have complete confidence in the promises of God and what the Bible has to say. And so there are some Christians that do doubt whether or not they have really been saved. And then there's various times when you can go through periods of doubt, wondering whether or not you are truly saved. And some people struggle to find that blessed assurance. And there's a reason for that. And we'll talk about that as we venture on. 
And so generally speaking, there's two basic reasons why people doubt whether or not they have ever been saved. First of all, they have no basis for assurance. In other words, they never have been saved. If I ask you what it's like to visit Mount Rushmore, if I ask you if you'd been there to the center there at Mount Rushmore, if you'd been inside and ventured around, if you had possibly sat and watched that matinee or that video that they show inside of the center there at Mount Rushmore, and if I ask you about the order of that, those presidential heads and how they came about on that mountain there that day, if I ask you about that, could you tell me about it? Well, you say, preacher, I never have been to Mount Rushmore. I don't really know what it's like. I don't know what the center is like. And I don't know how large it is and how, how seemingly majestic it is. Well, if I ask you if you had ever took Jesus Christ as your Savior, if I ask you if you had ever really understood what he did for you on the cross, you see, it's impossible for you to tell about a place you've never been as much as it is impossible for you to tell about something that's never really happened in your life. But I want to tell you if you have come to realize that, that you were a sinner one day and that the only way your sins could be taken away was because of what Christ did for you at Calvary. If I ask you if there ever was a day when that became so real to your heart that you desired to ask him to come into your heart and to save you. If I ask you when that took place and where that took place and how it took place and what happened in your life afterwards, could you you tell me all about that? Can I say to you that it was April 25th, 1982 in this man's life. Thankfully, somebody invited me to a church where the gospel was preached and where Christ was presented. I didn't know anything about how to come to him and how to trust him, but someone had been telling me about what it meant to be a Christian. I knew in my heart that I was not a Christian. I didn't profess to be anything. I really believe that was wrong to say that you were something you were not. I knew my life well enough to know that I was such a wicked individual that I couldn't be a Christian like I was. And thank God, one Sunday morning, the preacher asked this question. I pose it again here today. He said, if you died today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? I remember standing there thinking, oh, my soul, I'm at a crossroads in my life. I don't know where I'm headed to. Then when I thought about it, I said, oh, yes, I really do know where I'm headed to. I began to realize with my life like it was, surely I wasn't going to go to heaven when I died. And I answered the invitation that morning. I came down the church aisle and somebody took a Bible and showed me how to come to Jesus and personal faith in my life. Oh, but I want to say that you can't recount something that has never happened any more than you can go back to some place where you have never been. And so I say that the basis of assurance is the fact that you have believed on 
on Christ and you have been born of God. And so the first reason why people doubt is because they don't really know the Lord to start with. Now it's not the only reason, but some people cannot gain assurance because they've never really placed their faith in Christ. This promise in 1 John 5 and verse 13 is given to those who have believed on the name of the Son of God. That is, uh, it's a term in the scripture that reveals a person has placed all of their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to heaven because Jesus plus anything else. No, I'm going to heaven because one day on a hill called Calvary, Christ stretched out his arms and he died on the cross for my sins. And because of that, thank God he was buried and he rose again and he crowned it as the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So the first reason why people lack assurance is because they have no basis of assurance at all because they never have known the Lord as their Savior. The second reason why people do not have assurance is they do not know the basis of assurance. You see, the Bible is the basis of our faith as Christians. It is not what we think or what someone says but it is what God said in his word. It's impossible for a person to have absolute assurance that they're going to heaven without being grounded in the record of scripture. Unless your salvation is grounded in the record of scripture, you will never have that assurance that you are going to heaven. Now I want to say this on the authority of the Bible. It is God's desire that every person in this building absolutely know that they are going to heaven. It's God's desire because he sent his son to die for every one of us. It's God's desire that you go to heaven. The choice is in your hands whether or not you take Christ or whether or not you reject Christ. And so in this chapter, the Bible relates that salvation is connected to the record of God's Son. 1 John 5, verse 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. This salvation I'm preaching about is rooted in the record that God gave of his son. How do we know Christ came? How do we know Christ died? How do we know that he rose again? We know all of that through the record of the scripture. If you refuse to believe the record of the scripture, you'll never have assurance that you're going to heaven. First of all, there must have been a time in your life when you recognize yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior. Every one of us that are in this room are in the same class in this regard. It doesn't really matter what you drove to church in and it doesn't matter what you go home to live in. What really matters is whether or not you know Christ as your Savior. It matters whether or not you know Him in the Bible way. And so to know Him is to first of all recognize you need Him, that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. There is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And to know because of your sins, that your sins cause God to charge a wage. The Bible said for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and so God has brought all of mankind to a crossroads and you have to make a choice 
That choice is concerning Jesus Christ. On one hand is the wages of sin. You don't have to take Christ. You don't have to be saved. You don't have to become a Christian. You are perfectly allowed because you're a free moral agent to live your life and to sin and to do whatever you desire to do. But at the end of your life, you must be advised that you will spend eternity apart from God in a place called hell. On the other hand, the Bible said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the other choice is to take what Christ has paid for you. Jesus Christ paid the debt of every individual's sins. He paid for your sins entirely. He prayed for every lie. He prayed for every filthy, ungodly thing that you've ever done. Most of all, he paid for the fact that you rejected him. And many times, you've kept him out of your heart. But today, you're at a crossroads. And that crossroads is the crossroads of the season. You can choose sin's wages. Or you can choose the gift of God. You're at that crossroads. And the choice lies entirely with you. You can take Christ and Christ will save you. He'll take all your sins away. He'll mark your debt paid in full. He'll cause you to understand that your life has been spared and saved by the power of his blood. I want to say if you're going to come to Christ, then you ought to come to him and say, Lord, I don't deserve anything. I'm a sinner like everybody else, but I'm coming because you died for me, because you loved me, because you gave yourself for me on the cross. And because of that, I want to take Jesus as my Savior and Lord. I want to tell you if you come to him, he'll do just exactly what the Bible said he would do. If you cry out to him, this Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And so upon realizing that you need him, you turn to him in simple faith. You say, what does it mean? It means you trust nothing else. It means you take nothing else. It means you believe nothing else but that Jesus and Jesus alone can save you. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You turn to Christ, and the Bible said he has a gift for you. The Bible calls that gift the gift of salvation or the gift of God. And the way you get a gift is you reach out and take it. And if you're willing to reach out and take Christ today, I want to tell you that Christ will take you just like you are. It matters not where you've been and what you've done. It matters not what your present record is at the courthouse. It matters not, friend, who you've done what to and where you have been as a sinner. Oh, but I want to tell you what matters is that Jesus died for you and he loved you so much he gave his life's blood and that he's willing to save you today absolutely free. He gave himself. If you're willing to take Christ, he's willing to take you just like you are. And so I say you must have been saved if you're to have this blessed assurance that Jesus Christ is your Savior. Now, let me ask the question, secondly, why do people that are genuinely saved doubt their salvation? Well, there are scores of reasons behind that. And yet I would say that we need first to trace the reason of doubt or the source of that doubt. If you are genuinely saved, there's a reason why Satan would want to keep you doubting whether or not you were saved. I can tell you personally, myself and my own experience, in those early days, I struggled greatly 
And a lot of that struggle was the fact that I just really was not skilled in the scriptures. I struggled greatly. One of the reasons I struggled greatly was because of my past life. The things I did loomed up in my mind. I've been places that are within easy distance from this church and done things that I wish I could erase from my mind. I've been in areas around it on this end of the city where I wish I could take away, Brother Mark, the things that I have in my mind. I know Christ has taken them away, but I want to tell you in the early days when I first got saved, the enemy would say, how could you ever be a Christian with these things that you've done? How could God ever love somebody who had done the things that you had done in your life. And I honestly didn't know how to answer him. I do today, but it didn't then. But I want to say there is a Savior that can save you and give you absolute assurance. And so you can know that you are born of God. And so you got to trace that root and the cause of that doubt in your life. See, the enemy wanted me to continually wander around in a cloud of doubt because he knew I wouldn't witness to anybody on behalf of Christ as long as I was wondering whether or not I was saved. He knew that I wouldn't share the gospel with anyone. And if a person has genuinely been saved, their experience matches the word of God and they can anchor it through the testimony of the Bible, then doubt comes from our enemy. You and I got to realize that, that we can know that we are saved. Satan has one primary goal in this world, and that is to lead a person into sin and to keep them from God. He wants to keep you from knowing Christ. The question is, do you want to know him? If you're here today and you never trusted him as your savior, he wants you to know him. Because if Satan's goal is accomplished, a person spends eternity in hell. Now I know it's not preached on the television and on the airwaves and on the social media platforms. The Bible tells us that the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. The Bible said in Matthew 25, one day our Lord's gonna say, then shall he also say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, in the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, once a person comes to Christ and once they take Christ as their savior, then the devil has lost a battle and the devil has lost a child. And because of that, a great battle begins to keep that person who is genuinely saved from serving Christ and being effective in the Christian life. So Satan does everything in his power to keep that person from having that complete assurance that they are wonderfully saved. Doubt is a horrible thing. It's not the place where God wants you to live. God does not want you to live and die with a question mark on whether or not you are really saved. God gives so many things in this Bible so you can have absolute assurance and settle the doubt and leave behind the worry, the fretting, the confusion, because doubt must be answered with the word of God. And see, this Bible is a great remover, and this Bible is a great eraser. It'll erase all the doubts. It'll remove all the fears. It'll settle every question. It'll help you to understand how you can know that you are saved by the grace of God. So in order for a person to enjoy what God offers in the realm of assurance, they must first understand that salvation has a foundation. 
And that foundation first is found in the Word of God. You see, you'll never get salvation settled until you settle it based on the Word of God. The answer has to come from the Bible. And one reason salvation is so definite is because the Bible tells us that it's found in the record God gave of his son. 1 John chapter 5, we read it just a moment ago. This is the record that God hath given to us. And he that believeth not the record that God hath gave of his son hath made him a liar. So you either choose to believe what God said or otherwise call him a liar. So I say to you, do you believe what God said? Do you believe what God said about Christ? Do you believe the record that God gave of his son? Do you believe that God sent Christ to this world to be the only Savior, the only way? Do you believe his name? Acts chapter 4 verse 12 is the only name whereby men can be saved. Do you believe that the Bible tells us that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, taketh away all sin? Do you believe that the Bible says that Christ is alive? And do you believe that when you come to him that God will keep his promise? I never will forget this. I was preaching a revival up the road, I guess about an hour, hour and a half from here. And I had preached that night. After the service, the pastor said, preacher said, there's, there's a person here that wants to talk to you. After the visitors are dismissed and after we shake hands, said, I'd like for you to talk to this lady that come tonight. Said she, she's uncertain about whether or not she's ever been saved. And we sat down in the back in a Sunday school class at a table with chairs. And I laid my Bible down. I said, ma'am, what can I help you with? And she started to cry, Brother Mark. Now, I don't mean just a few tears. She started to cry and her whole body shook. She said, preacher, I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. I said, tell me about what happened in your life. I said, have you ever come to Christ? Have you ever understood what Christ has done? She said, oh, yes. She said, I know what Jesus did for me. I said, tell me how you thought you got saved. Tell me about that experience. She walked through it just like any wonderful Bible testimony would be. I honestly, I looked at her. I said, I don't see the problem in what you're saying. I said, why are you so full of doubt? And she began to recite the reasons why she was unsure. Some of it had to do with how she felt in herself. Some of it had to do with doubts that entered into her mind. Some of it had to do with emotional feelings. She compared herself with other people in the church. She didn't react emotionally like everybody else did. And she was just a nervous wreck. I said, ma'am, I said, let me show you what the Bible said. We opened up the Bible. I said, all right, this is what God said. John chapter 5 and verse 24. He he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. I said, ma'am, I said, tell me, didn't you say just a moment ago that you were in a service and you heard a preacher preach the gospel and that through that you come to realize that you needed Christ as your Savior? I said, is that what you said? She said, that's right, preacher. That's exactly what happened to me. I said, did you say that through that gospel message that you believe that you needed to take Jesus as your Savior? She said, that's right, preacher. That's right. That's what I did. She said that day, she said, I heard about Christ and I came down the aisle. I said, when you ask him to save you, I said, did you believe he saved you? She said, that's right preacher. I believe. She said, I see it. I see what you're saying. The Bible said that if I would take Christ, if I would believe God's word, if I would trust him the same, that he would save me. Amen. 
And that day we bowed our heads together in that room and that lady wept like a baby. We wept tears of joy. We enjoyed that time of Thanksgiving. It seemed like the light come on. I said to her, ma'am, the same way you got saved is the same way you get assurance. You got saved because the word of God was preached to you and brought to bear on your life. And you get assurance the same way that you come to Christ to trust him in faith. And you get your salvation anchored on what Jesus Christ said in his word. You put everything else aside and you say by the name of Jesus Christ and by the promise of God and by what Christ did for me at Calvary, there is no other way. I have taken Christ as my Savior. I place my faith on him. I trust him and him alone. He is the only reason why I am going to heaven. So I say to you, first of all, that you must have, you must have this witness of the word of God. You must have this record that God gave of his son. You must trust Christ and Christ alone. And then you must believe that God kept his promise when you came to him. This was something that God really used in that verse, John 5, 24. Let me finish quoting it now. Jesus said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. I said to that dear lady, I said, did you come to Christ? She said, I did, preacher, I did come to Christ. I said, the Bible said in John six thirty seven, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. I said, did you come to Christ? She said, I did. I said, Jesus said he wouldn't cast you out. He said, if you came to him, if you trusted him, if you took him, he wouldn't cast you out. He'd keep his promise. He's a promise-keeping Savior. So I say to you today, did you come to Christ? Did you call on him? And I remember that morning when that old man of God showed me in the Bible how I could become a Christian. And he got to John chapter 3 and verse 16. He quoted that verse in the Bible. He said, Tommy, I want you to look right here with me. He opened up his Bible and he leaned over there where I was at. And he said, I want you to read it. Read it with me. And he put his finger on it. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, he said, you see that? I looked down I said, I see that. He said, that's you, Tommy. And I mean, it's like, I understood for the first time in my life that Jesus died for me. Now, all these years before in the world, I, I, I'd heard that he died, but this morning it was different. This morning it was the fact that I knew Jesus died for me. And my, my spiritual eyes were open. I don't know how to describe it, but I understood that very moment that Jesus died for me. And he said, Tommy, would you like to ask him? to be your Savior. We got on our knees and he said, would you like to ask him? And honestly, I didn't know how to pray. Only prayers I'd ever prayed and I can tell you several of them. I said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do this again. It was just a lie. Only thing I wanted to be was rescued from the mess and the, and the misery I was in. And usually before the next day come, I was right back in it again. And I didn't know how to pray. And I looked at him, he said, you want to ask him? And honestly, I didn't know what to say. He said, just tell God what you are. He said, tell him you're a sinner. Tell him you want him to forgive you. Ask him to save you. And I started crying out to God. 
I started, I started telling God everything I was. I was a drunkard. I was a dope addict. Listen, friend, I was wicked as any person could be. And I started telling God all about it. I didn't know if he was ready for all of it. And finally I said, Lord, I want you to save me. I want you to come into my heart. Lord, I need to be saved today. Lord, I'll tell you something happened on that day. Thank God something took place. What happened was a, a person that realized that, that Jesus was the only Savior, that they needed to be saved. That person right there took God at his word. That's what faith is. I took God at his word. And I took that witness of God in his word. And I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now something happened. Let me give it to you in a nutshell. You see, as soon as I asked Jesus to save me, the Holy Spirit came to live in my heart. The Bible calls him a witness in ourselves. 1 John 3, 24. And also in Romans 8, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit. At that very moment, the Holy Spirit moved into my heart. And you see, not only is there an eternal witness in this Bible, when a person gets saved, there's an internal witness. See, after that, I was walking around and there was an internal witness on the inside of my heart. I had an old buddy on Monday. I got saved on Sunday. He offered me some stuff that we used to do and I never had to say no before, never really wanted to say no. But I looked right at him. I said, no, I don't need that anymore. I said, I'm saved now. Jesus is living in my heart. See, what was that? An inward witness. And see, a new life began. I didn't really understand about it. I went and got in my car and I started weeping and crying. I said, Lord, I've been like this all my life. I said, I don't know what you did in me. I said, but I sure do love it. I, I love the fact that now I'm able to say no to things I otherwise wasn't able to say no to. I've got the desire. I had, I had a Bible in my, in my car. I had Jesus in my heart. I had a desire to live right and to be what God wanted me to be. And I want to say you can have this witness. You can have this eternal witness. You can have the promise of God. And it'll give you absolute assurance. All you got to do is walk back through what Jesus did for you. And if it lines up with this Bible, you can get assurance of salvation. And then the Holy Spirit inside will testify that Jesus is living in you. And then that changed life, 1 John 5, 12, he that hath the Son hath life. That outward witness of what Christ has done. See, everybody that the Lord saves, he comes into their life and he changes them. He makes them a new person. Let's stand with our heads bowed. You can have this blessed assurance.